High Heels and Heartache. I'm your host, Kendall Ann. Today I have a very special listener request episode of the podcast. Um, a wonderful young lady that I went to, that I've known since for a long time, since elementary school, um, reached out to me and asked if I could track down an expert about people-pleasing. So I did it. Um, <laughs> the expert's name is Dr. Eileen Cohen, better known as Dr. Eileen. She's written a bunch of books about people-pleasing and how to break that bad habit. Um, we explore a lot um, of topics within people-pleasing, like what makes someone a people-pleaser. Is there a difference between wanting to be nice and being a people-pleaser? And we also chat about how to break the bad habit of people-pleasing. So up next, Dr. Eileen answers all of our questions about people. And I'm here today with Dr. Eileen Cohen. Hi, Dr. Eileen. Hi. So we're really lucky to have Dr. Eileen with us today. She's a psychotherapist, a blogger, and an award-winning author of popular self-help guides. Um, One of them is called when it's never about you, and another one is called It's Within You. Um, And we're able to buy those on Amazon and her website, and I'm going to link all those up. Um, You also have your work on top psychology publications, and that's how I found you. I found you on Psychology Today, and you wrote a really fabulous article called No more people pleasing. (laughs) (laughs) So today I'm having you on so you can teach us how to stop people pleasing because you seem to be the expert in the, in how to stop people pleasing. Yes, I've tried. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So sometimes I feel like people pleasing is one of those terms where it's kind of become an innocuous thing where, you know, someone will do something nice and they'll be like, I'm a people pleaser where, you know, people pleasing can be really detrimental. So my first question is, what is the difference between wanting to be nice to people and people pleasing? Um, That's a good question because there's really a subtle difference between being nice and being a people pleaser. Um, For me, um, wanting to be nice to others and is really just trying to do the right thing being respectful and honoring others' feelings, which of course is not a bad thing. But I think also people pleasers want to be nice and a lot of their behaviors are dictated by that idea and also wanting to be perceived as nice. But the problem with that um, comes in when they feel a compulsion and a need to please others without taking their own feelings and values and principles into account. So basically many people try um, to people please, but their actions might not be nice um, and might not be the right thing to do. So if you're basing your value and worth on how you're perceived by others or in fear of hurting others, you might be pleasing them, but not doing the right thing for you and your relationship. So maybe let me give you an example. Say you continue to date someone, but you're not that into that person but you feel bad, you don't wanna hurt their feelings, you don't wanna be perceived as you know, not being nice or, or doing the wrong thing. But really, what is the, the better thing to do? What's the nicer thing to do? 
Um, is it to continue to date a person because you feel bad? Or is the nicer, better thing to do is to let them down? You know, maybe not in a harsh way, but let them down easy, even if it displeases them. Um, so that's where the, the difference comes in. So if I just want to be nice to someone, I'm doing it kind of out of the goodness of my heart. But if I'm a people pleaser, I'm doing it because I'm afraid of some form of rejection. Is that kind of a good way to sum it up? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, some kind of rejection, displeasing other people. You're also fearful that you're going to hurt them. Oh. Um, But however, when you think about that, like in the situation of the dating, that's maybe you might be exaggerating the hurt. You might be thinking it's such big and you might be thinking that that's what does bad to others. However, what if you are just being honest and open? They do get hurt for a period of time. And then the better thing was to to do was to let them know the truth. So maybe if you're a people pleaser, when you have decided like, hey, this person isn't right for me, you might be concerned telling them that will cause them to have like a scarlet O'Hara, like hand on the forehead, faint on a couch moment when really they might be like, okay, that's fine. (laughs) That's fine. And really that's the right thing to do. Mm -hmm. So anxiety around hurting people and also letting them down that gets in the way of really doing the right thing. So you mentioned that people-pleasing is a compulsion. So what are the red flags? If if we sort of are thinking like, uh-oh, I might be a people-pleaser because a lot of times I'm doing quote-unquote nice things to not hurt people's feelings or to not feel rejected and not necessarily just to be nice. I do have that compulsion what are some red flags that we can look for in ourselves that would be like, uh-huh, yeah, check mark by this, I am a people pleaser? So a big sign and red flag is that if you're feeling resentful after, um, if you notice you're saying yes to things and then you're kicking yourself, wishing you could say no, but you just couldn't get the words out. Um, if you feel stuck in a lot of like your relationships or you feel used or abused, um, another big one is if you're always burned out. Um, oh, that's a really good one. Yeah, and feel taken advantage of. I see a lot of people that come to me that are just burned out in their jobs, their work, their life, and they're not really clear on why that's the case. And until we unravel and we see it's because they're they're doing so many things. They have so much on their plate, and they're always overextending themselves. So that that just is like stirred a question in me because you said in like maybe your relationships and in your job, if you're a people pleaser, do you tend to sort of like people please across the board, like people please your family, people please your friends, people please at work? Like, is that usually just like a behavioral pattern that we can look for? Yes. So usually the case, I mean, sometimes you might be so burned out in one area that you don't have much to give in others. Um, So someone might be a people pleaser at work, but then when it comes to coming home, they are depleted and they have nothing left to give and that role might change. However, most of the time you do see it across the board because they do have that big fear of, you know, letting people down, being criticized or being disapproved of. Um, So they would continue that behavior pattern. 
Gotcha. So if we're feeling resentful towards the things that we're doing for others, whether it's at home or at work, or we're feeling really burnt out, these are some sort of red flags that we can look for in ourselves that possibly we're hyper extending ourselves because we are people pleasers. Yes. Okay. So I feel like the next question is the million dollar question. Why do people become people pleasers? Well, it's no surprise. And I know that this is a cliche with psychologists. We love to dig in the past, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, great. (laughs) I know. (laughs) But, um, a lot of it has to do with our upbringing. Um, when we're young, all we want to do is please our caregivers, make them proud. And some pleasers might have had a parental figure that was hard to please, that was very critical or overreacted. I've seen a lot of that where um, a parent was just very reactive when a kid you know, brought up their own needs. So pleasing them might have been the only way that they could receive the love and acclamations that they desired. So it did make sense, given that context, to try and please and and make their parent happy so they could feel good about themselves. But the problem is, as they get older, they continue this pattern in their relationships as a way to give and receive love because that's what they know. Mm -hmm. And it also develops as a way for pleasers to decrease their own anxiety around criticism and disapproval. That's why it's such a compulsion. That's why it's so easy to say yes instead of no, or to try to get that approval because you're anxious to do otherwise. It's very difficult um, to speak up or, or do something that might disapprove someone else because you might've gotten such severe reactions as a child. And of okay. course, all usually subconscious until the lovely therapist loves to bring it all out. <laughs> so right now I'm hearing you say like three things. So you might have learned that pleasing a parent or authority figure, that was a way to get love. So that could have made you a people pleaser. You might have learned that maybe neglecting your own needs made you, I don't know how to say this other than like easy to get along with when you were young. And that could have made you a people pleaser. Or you found that people-pleasing helped ease an anxiety, and that could have made that develop in you. Or am I getting those three things kind of right? Yeah, and that comes in hand-in-hand. Hand. That anxiety probably comes as you're growing up in that atmosphere. If you did speak up and then you had a very critical and overreactive parent, then, of course, it's going to create anxiety within you whenever you want to bring something up that they might disapprove of because you're going to get such a harsh reaction mm-hmm. so that develops along with it but usually yeah the case is what you were just saying where um that's a kind of a behavior pattern that comes about because you are trying to please a caregiver that might um, and, and and those three things can be really powerful if you're thinking about you know in your life if you've learned that being like almost like perfect is a currency to gain love or not, you know, not being a problem is a currency to gain love or, you know, pushing down anxiety by pleasing others to gain love, like almost like self-love. Those would be three really powerful things for you to absorb in formative years. Very, yeah. Mm-hmm. And how could they not be detrimental? 
Oh, there's my next question. <laughs> so why is people pleasing so detrimental to the people pleasers health and to relationships that the people pleaser is having? That's a good question. Um, and people don't realize that it can be detrimental. They think it's like a good thing um, that they're pleasing. They think there's something wrong with them. If now they're experiencing health issues or relational issues, maybe they're not pleasing enough, you know, but I think it comes down to, they aren't really being true to themselves. Um, they might not know even who they are because they've been so focused on others' needs and wants. They've become invisible in their own lives and their relationships. They also internalize their emotions. So this leads them to not validating their own experiences. And oh, I didn't yeah. even think about that. It's a big thing. And um, research shows that if we don't learn to express ourselves or we aren't aware of our own internal experiences, this can lead to chronic inflammation in the body. And oh. that inflammation in the body creates other, lots of health issues. You know, a lot of our health issues are related to inflammation. And so people pleasers are more susceptible to stress and anxiety, which we know creates health issues. And because think about it, they are not only responsible for their own selves and lives, they feel responsible for others and how they feel. So how could you not be overwhelmed and stressed if you have the burden of other people's feelings on your shoulders, especially people that might be hard to please and that are overreactors? Um, yeah, and think about what we were talking about before. If you have people pleasing habits with your family, with your friends, with your work life, like that would be a lot of people to please along with yourself. Like that was that is a really really heavy burden. Very heavy. No one, no wonder lots of um, pleasers have neck and shoulder pain. <laughs> <They're> <laughs> oh my gosh! Do you have a camera on me? Because I'm literally like rubbing my, I'm rubbing my neck right now. <laughs> you said that, right? I felt it. <laughs> a lot of weight, um, and it's it's not fun um, for the pleasers in the end. But they don't. A lot of them don't connect with that, and they don't see the connection between their pleasing and, and their possible health issues. And the relationship issues that come um, because it is detrimental because pleasers aren't showing up for their relationships with being themselves and um, they don't speak up when something bothers them. They don't know when a boundary is broken because they don't really have boundaries. Um, they feel stuck, resentful, underappreciated. And um, so over time they either experience those health issues or they cut off from relationships or they even blow up. You know, some can actually speak up, but then it's after a long time and they just blow up out of nowhere and the people don't understand what's going on in their lives. And um, then, and I'm not saying this from personal experience or anything, but maybe when you finally get the guts to tell someone like, you don't like the way that they make your bacon and you haven't brought it up for maybe a year, and then when you finally tell them, then you feel guilty, like you've hurt their feelings about it. Exactly. Then you feel guilty, <laughs> and then they're like, what are you talking about? You've been eating this bacon for a year and haven't said anything. Like, are we living a lie? <laughs> <laughs> That's a good point. <laughs> uh, you love my bacon. That's why I'm with you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's my love language. Bacon is my love language. <laughs> in my life so people don't feel like they really know you um and they feel that's a really good point and then you feel disconnected from yourself um so it's 
it's a tough um, situation to be in. And it's actually, I pleasers really think that that's because that's what they grow up knowing that that's good for your relationships. It keeps, keeps the peace. It keeps them good. But in actuality, it can co-create a lot of other issues. And probably as a people pleaser, in, if you've done this for your whole life, most likely you've learned that when you do speak up about something you don't love, then it creates that tension. And then you would like overly people please again <laughs> to make up for the people pleasing that's gotten you to the tension to begin with. So I can see why that would be a, a hard cycle to break. It's very hard, and the guilt guilt is huge. Um, I've written about that a lot, and my clients always it, it comes in strong and hard. But that's usually guilt is really just the voices of the past or anxiety trying to push you back into old behavior patterns that you aren't used to and that feel weird. And you might um, be hurting people's feelings, even if you're speaking your truth, not meaning to. However, it might be, like I said, still the right thing to do. Um, But the guilt can try to convince you otherwise. So say, um, for example, you have an uncle that has a drug addiction and they're always coming to you for money. They can't pay their rent. They can't this. And um, you always give in. But you realize that maybe you're perpetuating the problem by pleasing and giving them, you know, money. And it's just helping their drug addiction. So you decide that um, this isn't probably the right thing to do and you muster up the courage to say, I'm sorry. Um, I'm not willing to give you money anymore. If you're going to continue that, I am willing to help you get into a rehab or this is what I'm willing to do to assist you, but I no longer think that giving me money is a good idea, whatever. They might have a bad reaction. You know, they want to get their drugs and they're used to you being in a certain role and they might give you pushback. And then after you might feel guilty, like you did the wrong thing. But really, if you sit back and look at the bigger picture, what was the wrong thing? You know, being true to yourself was the wrong thing. Yeah. And, you know, perpetuating um, an issue that, that um, that's not exactly good for the person that you care about. Well, I'm right now. I feel super motivated not to people, please. I know why I people please. I know what to look for in myself. I know why it's so detrimental. And luckily in your book, Reclaiming Your Health, Happiness, and Personal Freedom, you discuss how those of us who might be people pleasers (laughs) can stop the behaviors. And you give us eight steps. So step number one is to become aware of yourself. Can you give me a little more information on that? So self-awareness is person, um, I mean, sorry, is important because you have to be aware that there is an issue and you have to be aware that your behaviors have been contributing to those issues. So first is that awareness piece. And then what follows with that awareness is trying to figure out who you are, what your likes and dislikes are, what your boundaries are, what your values push, um, principles and passions are, which of course is very difficult. And I, I would say that's a lifelong process of finding that out with each situation that you face. But I think that's an important first step is to kind of get to know you. So, and, and I'm just assuming that usually people pleasers have a tough time, like 
setting boundaries. <laughs> so that is probably also part of part of that becoming aware of yourself is finding like, okay, where exactly is this boundary of my niceness going to end? Exactly. So it's really okay. Like I've seen pleasers that are in really open relationships, but they don't really want to be in an open relationship, but they're in it because their partner wants it. Oh, that would be so tough. Yeah. So figuring out, okay, is this, do I want, is this okay or not okay with me? And if it's not okay with me, can I communicate that to my partner? And am I willing then to exit that relationship if that's not something that I want versus continuing perpetuating that and thinking, pretending it's okay with me when it really isn't and being resentful. And your step two, when I read it, I felt like I had like been hit by a lightning bolt. Because step two that you write is realize that doing too much is hurting your relationships. Yeah, people don't. I mean, that's like a shock to a lot of pleasers. But pleasers tend to overfunction in their relationship. And that allows other people to underfunction. Why would okay, I- we have to stop there for a second. Because I think that for a lot of us, that that we are, those of us who are so used to over-functioning and then maybe being resentful when people under-function, we are not maybe having a realization that, and I'm not letting the under-functioner off the hook, but maybe (laughs) our over-functioning has sort of created this setup where if we keep over-functioning and they keep, so they keep under-functioning and then we get resentful, it's never going to just magically fix itself. We have to stop over-functioning. Exactly. So we're not, we're co-creating that experience and we have no control over the other people in our lives. We can only control our own behavior. So if we notice we're over-functioning, we have to get more factual about what those people can do or not do. Like, um, and then go from there. Why would anybody do anything for themselves if you're just going to do it? And a lot of pleasers tend to match up with underfunctioners because, you know, those relationships end up making sense. But if you start giving people more of their own tasks and, you know, oh, you know, don't overfunction as much, then other people will have to step up. It's a process. It takes time. But they're really responsible only for themselves. And they're not going to grow. And you're going to feel burned out. And you're not going to grow if you just continue overdoing everything and then you're going to end up burned out resentful and feeling responsible for other people when you're not yeah that's a really good step and and a really important one and the third one is also super important which is understand the importance of being yourself (laughs) (laughs) that's something i think we all struggle with throughout our lives but i i mean people pleasers, that's really hard for us to, to, to be ourselves, especially if we've been kind of conditioned that being nice or helpful or <laughs> any of these other synonyms we've been called in the past that have gotten us um, not rejected to then have to be ourselves is really difficult. Yeah, we might not even know who that is. Um, that's why the awareness piece and this is like a process over time, but I think um, pleasers think all they have to offer is pleasing, but all of us have things to offer in our relationships other than that and to the world. And I think um, 
you as a person, everyone else deserves to live as an expression of themselves. And you don't have to please and work yourself to death to make others happy. You can be happy too by being yourself and kind of living in your own truth, which I know sounds foreign at this time if you are a pleaser, but it's definitely attainable and a better way to live for you and the people in your life. So it's not necessarily better for you to just always agree with someone else's opinion, that you have to have a sense that your opinion, your thoughts, your feelings, those are just as valid and just as important as the people that you're in relationships with. And you will find someone who loves you for your thoughts, opinions, values, all of those things without you having to kind of like, I don't know, like smush them down in yourself <laughs> in yeah. order to find acceptance. Exactly. And someone that really wants to have a mature relationship of give and take, they want to know you. Mm-hmm. You know, they want to hear your thoughts. They want you to have your own thoughts. And um, they encourage that. And, and I'm sure you would want the same for them. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So number four, I'm actually going to, going to read the description of what you wrote, because I think that this is a really important step. So the fourth step is learn to let it go. And you write, if you're stuck in the past and can't let go of things that happened to you, chances are you're accepting what your abusers, bullies, or other negative people in your life believe about you. You'll remain imprisoned by them unable to access your full potential if you don't learn to let it go. I think, yeah, you did. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that was like, when I read that, I was like, whoa, that is powerful because certainly if you've been conditioned to please people and then you run into people who Uh, for lack of a better way to say it, like aren't pleased by you, it would be hard not to hold on to to the things that they've said or done to you. Yep. And then that will hold you prisoner to continue to want to please if you don't learn how to let that go. Because you probably, you know, replay that in your mind of all of the times that you chose not to please and then received some kind of horrible consequence from that. Exactly. You overthink and you replay it and, it and you kind of abuse yourself with that. Yeah. Okay. So step five is something that I think a lot of people need to hear. <laughs> step number five is realize that avoiding problems doesn't help you grow. Yeah. So pleasers are big time avoiders. Um, however, if They don't learn to face their problems or confront others or speak up. They'll never grow and mature. Um, Of course, it is hard to speak your mind or do something that makes you anxious, which it will initially. However, over time, a pleaser can throw themselves into situations that they're scared of. Like, for example, if you're scared to let somebody down, if you're dating them or to confront an addicted family member or to tell somebody something that you know they won't like, but is is authentic to you. Um, over time, you can grow your confidence muscle and it gets easier. I mean, a lot of pleasers avoid because it, it 
the thought of confronting something makes makes them nauseous, lightheaded, you know, whatever. However, I've seen many over time, if they can face their problems, they're able to grow from it and speak their mind and sky's the limit. I just had a client that told me that she told somebody something they didn't like. She said no at something at work. And this time she didn't get nauseous. She didn't, you know, get lightheaded. She just said no. And this was a process over time, but it was like an aha moment that when she stopped avoiding, she was able to face the things she wanted to face. And I love it that when you were just explaining it, you said sort of like when you're practicing not people pleasing, you're growing your confidence muscle. Like, I love that. That is such a great way to put it because it is sort of like a muscle that we have to train so that we don't feel sick or scared or like, oh, what's going to happen here if I, you know, tell this person, no, you can't have money or no boss, I'm not staying an hour after work today or, you know, anything to our partner. I totally relate to that. Like that is a hard muscle to grow. It is. No wonder we avoid it. (laughs) Yeah. But it's, it's sort of like one of those things where the only way you're going to feel more comfortable doing it is to do it. Yeah, exactly. You have to do it. There's no way around it. We can talk all day long and we could get the ideas and you could say, I'm not going to be a people pleaser, but if someone looks you in the face and asks you to do something you don't want to do, that's where the real work happens. Yeah. Okay. So number six is decide whether you want to be free to love or a prisoner of love. So tell us more about that. So pleasers are prisoners of love. They feel addicted to pleasing and make others happy. Um, They also, like I've said, feel responsible for others. So love can feel like a confinement. It's not free. You can't be yourself. um, and And love can really feel like a burden. But if you're free to love, then um, in that sense, you're aware of yourself, your boundaries, you can speak your mind in a relationship, you know your values, then love's not confining anymore. It's free. You don't have to be anyone but you, and you can still love and be loved, and um, you've kind of broken away from um, the chains that relationships can have on you. A lot of people that are pleasers for many years just want to give up on relationships because they feel like such a burden. And, and I, that makes a lot of sense because you would, you would feel like a prisoner in a relationship if you, all you were doing was just trying to please the person you were in a relationship with. There would, I mean, there would be no pleasure in the love because it's, it's really not mutual. Mm-hmm. You're exactly. not getting anything. You're just, you know, giving, giving, giving. Yeah. So number seven is navigate through anxiety. So what does that mean? So like I was saying before, when you're changing the people-pleasing patterns, it's anxiety-provoking. So you'll start changing your behaviors that were first put in place to avoid your anxiety around like disapproval and criticism. So it's hard to say no and tell others that they might, you know, things they don't want to hear. However, like I said before, once you start doing that and stop pleasing, then you're going to be anxious. So it's navigating through that anxiety, trying to manage yourself through that while you start speaking up and speaking your truth and saying things that others might not want to hear. And that's when the work happens. And that that really 
goes back to that first step of becoming aware of yourself because you have to have that reflection of, okay, some of this people pleasing that I do is in order to um, avoid this anxiety that I might have if I tell someone the way that they make bacon isn't my favorite or (laughs) no, I don't want to go to that concert or whatever. Um, It would be hard if you, if you didn't get in touch with your body to understand that you're having an anxious feeling about not wanting to disappoint someone. Exactly. You just feel like it's a compulsion. You don't really realize that it's tied to anxiety around that. So it's sort of like we don't know we have a choice not to feel anxious. The only way that we've learned to get rid of the anxiety is to please. We don't know that. We don't have to please in order to get rid of that anxiety. We can navigate through it and be okay just telling someone no. Perfectly said, yes. Oh, thank you. That was a good Thank you so much. <laughs> oh my gosh, that was so people pleasy, wasn't it? <laughs> I don't care. I don't even care if you I don't even care if you like what I just said. <laughs> okay. So number eight is to find acceptance of self. And, you, and and what you wrote was accepting yourself is an ever-evolving process. But it starts now. Yes. So So tell us, what can we do right now in this moment to help us with acceptance of self? So if you fully do accept yourself, flaws included, again, sounds easier said than done. Um, You won't worry as much as what other people have to say. Um, So I think you start with trying to accept your flaws Um, It makes pleasers anxious to have imperfections. They expect more from themselves than they do from others. But if they can learn to give themselves the compassion they so easily give to others, then they can kind of start working on accepting that and and realizing it's okay to have flaws and that you are only human. So I think it's by getting comfortable again. Maybe if you do uh, make a mistake, you know, try to make a joke about it, laugh at yourself, um, You know, if you notice those like negative thoughts coming in when you do see an imperfection or flaw, try to be more compassionate, you know, try to be more self-soothing than, you know, critical. That that's a really good point. So that's one thing that we can start today is not being quite as judgmental to ourselves because people, we don't have to please others to be happy and we don't necessarily have to please ourselves to be happy. Like we're good just the way we are. Yes. And it's okay to have flaws. It's what makes people interesting and fun. (laughs) Exactly. And if you, I've actually asked many of my pleasers, um, you know, what would it look like if you're perfect? What would you gain? And a lot of them actually at the end wouldn't really want to be perfect. Um, My last client said barf. (laughs) <laughs> oh. <laughs> this idea that they need to be perfect but then when they actually think what would happen if I reach this perfection oh kind of be like a teacher's pet it'd be a bit annoying yeah. um, and they can look back and say okay maybe my flaws aren't such a bad thing it makes me you know multifaceted it makes me unique and and it's cool then I can I can still have room to grow and um 
and it's okay. And maybe I can be more compassionate and laugh about it. Or, yeah. And that, and that really goes back to your number three step, which was understanding the importance of being yourself and valuing exactly who you are. Mm-hmm. So that's good. Well, these, these are great steps and your website, you have a really great blog where you talk about a lot of these issues. Um, I really like you had a post that um, talked about when you feel guilty, when you put yourself first, which I thought was like, it, it's a really great blog post. And, and I encourage everyone to, to visit your site and to, to read that one. And I'm going to link your site and your books um, and the show notes so we can all visit um, those. But if you would, t- if you would give people pleasers one overall piece of advice, what would it be? Um, I think it would be that you're not responsible for how other people feel. Oh, um, that's their responsibility. You're only responsible for how you feel. And if you're being true to yourself and honest and the other person um, is still hurt and offended by who you are or what you say, that that's for them to sort out and deal with, not for you. That's really good advice. Sort of like if someone has a problem with you, that's their problem, not your problem. And we're certainly not giving people permission to like be jerks. But <laughs> being a jerk, like I said, with the situation, if your uncle has an addiction and you're being true to yourself, that you don't want to contribute to that kind of behavior anymore. And you are solid in yourself knowing that's the right thing to do and they're offended um, and they're hurt by that. That's for them to sort out. Um, you're still can be with yourself knowing that you're not doing anything wrong just because they're upset and you're not responsible for their feelings. If you're being true to yourself and you know, you're doing the right thing and you're sticking to your values. That's great advice. And I can tell you just from talking to you, I mean, I'm really going to work on growing this confidence muscle. Mm -hmm. I feel inspired to be myself and to no longer please people to be accepted. (laughs) Happiness is their own responsibility and it's not mine. My responsibility is my happiness. Perfectly said. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me, Dr. Eileen. Thank you. Thanks for your time. I really appreciate this conversation. Have a great day. You too. Bye-bye. Thanks again to Dr. Eileen Cohen for being on the podcast. Um, That was a lot of really good information about people-pleasing. I learned a ton, and I'm definitely ready to to do the necessary reflection to stop being a people-pleaser. Friend that I've known since elementary school, thank you for reaching out to me with the fabulous idea for an episode. Um, If you are listening and you have an idea for an episode, message me. I will find the expert. (laughs) I'll ask them all the questions you want me to ask. Um, We're in this together. If you are in an unsafe or violent relationship and you need help, please call the National Domestic Violence Hotline. That number is 1-800-799-7233. Again, that's 1-800-799-SAFE.